Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to your channel, obviously, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification so you're uh, notified, of course, of any time we put new, uh, new content up. Lots of great guests. I know I say that every episode, but it's true, uh, including today's guest. He's a busy, busy man when, obviously, he's, he's not doing his day job. He is the uh, host producer of the West Ham Way podcast, co-creator of the West Ham Way pre-match events. I'd love to go to one of them, but I'm too busy. I'm at the ground at like half 10, so it never works for me. And also he's co-creator of Sex, Drugs and Colton Cole. He's a busy man, but he's got time to talk to us today. It's Dave Walker. Hi, Dave. How are you, man? I'm very good, mate. I'm top dollar in these crazy times, but no, I can't complain, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Again, can't complain. We've got similar haircuts. Mine, <laughs> mine wasn't meant to be the, mine wasn't meant to be this short, but my my wife put the wrong clipper setting on, and so. Hey, mate, I just, I just, yeah, do, you know, do you know what? Whilst I'm I'm missing taking the kids bowling or the cinema or taking the whole family to a restaurant or whatever, I really am missing going to a qualified barber because, yeah. like you, I've given the clippers to my missus, and fuck me, I look like I've been in the fire by the time she's well, finished. So. Originally, I gave her. Uh, it's my fault. I gave her um, like my beard trimmer clippings, and then I like, had alopecia because they don't work. So finally, we got some anyway. <laughs> I well, know it, it was my wife. It was my wife's birthday yesterday, so I had to sort of like you know lockdown birthday. You yeah. know what can you do? So yeah. I ended up converting the, gar- the 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 garden into an outdoor cinema and stuff, and yeah, I know oh, I can feel. I know it was cool, and it's my daughter's next week as well. So May is always a busy time for me. Oh, wow. Well, you've yeah. set the bar now for your daughter's birthday. I don't know how you're going to yeah, top Yeah, she's that. like, I want that, I want that, I want that. I, made, <laughs> I, I figured out how to make, and obviously it's nothing West Ham related, but I, I figured out how to make a sausage egg McMuffin, you know, like McDonald's, um, yeah. including the round egg. So I did that for like breakfast, and it was like, yeah, set the bar, but you know, next year it'll be easier, hopefully. Next year it only cost me three quid for a, rather than... But you can come around and do the McDonald's breakfast for my birthday, Yeah, maybe, yeah, sure. I do like a delivery service, you know. <laughs> I have to leave it outside two metres away, but apart from that. Anyway, let's talk about happier times. Obviously, <laughs> purpose of this, we're interviewing fans all over the world. 
all different ages about their, their memories, categorising all these great memories and really interesting stories, as well as talking about West Ham players that, that were important to them or made an impact, maybe positive, maybe negative, but it doesn't really matter. So in terms of you, Dave, obviously you, you do a lot of stuff with obviously the podcast and the events and stuff, but going back right to the beginning for you, earliest West Ham memory, go. I'd, I'd, I'd like to put a couple in there, if I can. Um, I mean, first and foremost, like many West Ham fans, I was born into it. You know, my, my family were a stone throw from the bowling ground. That's, yep. that's where their, their houses were. Um, and I think I was born pretty much into a baby, a West Ham baby grow. So I had no fucking chance from the second I had oxygen in my lungs. So, um, yeah, I mean, my earliest memory, really, I have to go back to, to when I was a kid, probably, I don't know, five or six, I would say. And um, I could never, ever be seen without a ball at my feet. You know, whilst I was West Ham obsessed, and that was in my DNA, I was football obsessed. I was always in the street or always in the front room. And I remember as part of that, growing up, I absolutely obsessed over the 1986 season that we had on VHS tape. I used to watch it day after day after day after day, just in awe of how good I thought West Ham were. Because I was only a kid, you know, I had no sort of maturity or knowledge of the game as such. But I'm watching this season just being blown away. You look at some of the players back then and you, yeah. the, the games and the results and the excitement. And you could even feel from that season the atmosphere of Upton yeah. Park coming through the speakers. You know, it was such a magical season. And I absolutely obsessed over that. And I used to recreate um, the games and the goals in my front room, turning sofas over for goalposts and using my mum's curtain as a net and... When that got too much and I got kicked out, I was just in the street the whole time. And the only time I'd come in was when it was too dark to see the football. So I was, I was football obsessed and I was West Ham obsessed. And I mean, that's my earliest memory. And then, of course, the day came when I got to go to West Ham, which I'll, I'll forever hold in my heart for so many different reasons. And I just remember holding my dad's hand, walking down the Barking Road, and just mobs and mobs of people. You've got to remember, I'm not used to seeing big crowds. I mean, I'll come to the game in a second, but I must have been about... Oh, I was young, six or seven maybe, when I went to my first game. And you won't believe what the first game was, by the way. It was West Ham United 7, Hull City 1. Wow. And it was, I think it was 1991, I think it was the old Division 2. And um, like I said, I remember walking down the Barking Road with my dad and, and just these, these memories just stay with you for life. I mean, I remember the queue for Nathan's Pie and Mash, which was a queue that I, I spent most of my West Ham life being part of. Um, then there was the bowling and seeing all these West Ham fans outside of it and the smell of the burger vans and the hot dogs and just that, I don't know, it, not that I even knew what working class meant then, but looking back, I think that's what I felt. I felt that these were working class people in the back then working class sport and this football club of ours was just the most well supported club on the planet with genuine passion from East London people who are, in my opinion, the, the hardest, most passionate, charismatic people on the planet. And you just instantly felt part of that, even as a kid. You know, I, I never felt intimidated by those big crowds. I would have done, if I'd have gone shopping somewhere and seen those crowds, mm. I would have liked it. Yeah, but because yeah. I knew that these were my own people, yeah. that felt special to me. And I've never, ever forgotten that. And obviously that became the trend for years and years and years after. Yeah. And of course, to leave the bowling ground, having witnessed a 7-1 victory, I thought we were also the best team on the planet. Yeah, that's so, it. That's it. Sorted. Completed it. Best dad. <laughs> completed it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should never have gone back, really. I should have walked away at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. never gone back. I've never and, gone and through then, the heart. 
exactly the the heartbreak that you've had since since the early 90s i was the same actually uh well no i had a, i had a, my mine was a, i was a year after actually 92 93 so i was a glory hunter because i went up you know when we went up you know um, yeah, yeah. and yeah. uh yeah i think we was against oxford united and i think oxford united scored after about a minute mm. and i was like so i so unlike you with a 7-1 bar I was like straight at entry level West Ham, you know, like within a minute yeah. we concede. We won 5-3. Yeah. I think Julian scored a pelter, but, um, but still it doesn't matter. But I know what you mean. And it's, yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's the thinking about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because obviously you don't necessarily think about it now, but obviously because we're so used to going to a football match with yeah. what's say now 60,000 people. And that's a lot of people. For, for a young kid, that must be really intimidating. But I don't remember that being that intimidating. No, me neither. Me neither. And, um, you know, I, I think, do you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because I look back now and I think of how special those times were. Mm. And I realised at the time how special they were. But it's a double-edged sword because they're not special anymore, you know. And we're going to the new stadium and, and football in general, you know, it's completely sold out. It's all corporate. Mm. It's commercial. It's all about a pound note. And I just think, I don't know, whilst they were special times and, I, and I'm pleased that I experienced it, it's also sad that those days are well and truly gone for me, you know, and I, yeah. I, I, I fell out of love with football a while ago. Never fallen out of love with West Ham, but the game itself has never been quite been the same for me. I, I agree. And I think actually, you know, it's horrible what's happened, what we're in at the moment, but it puts things in, a, I think it puts a lot of things into perspective. God, we're getting very deep, aren't we? Um, I think it put things, a lot, lot of things into perspective. And I think when, you know, obviously there's been lots of, fragmentation between fans and things like that as well i think that first time whenever it may be might be a year's time who knows when sixty thousand people are back together and there's mm. that bubbles and I, I press that play on that bubbles that's going to be a like a real ooh, speed like like togetherness and i hope you know people are appreciating football more because they have you, know, you don't know what you've got to it's gone type thing and not having football is like everyone's grass like when the bundesliga started everyone went oh my god football and just like went to it you know like viewing figures of the Bundesliga went up and you know we never would have done that before and so I hope that you know it puts things in perspective in terms of football for people as you said maybe uh, yeah. people who are a bit disenfranchised might be more drawn in maybe do, do you know what I, yeah I think you're right and I think hopefully it does bring more of an appreciation of um, being at football together but I, you know one of the things that's disappointed me more in, in recent years as well mainly with the development of social media it's just seeing West Ham fans ever pop at each other. And that's the other thing that hurts a little bit. You know, maybe it would have existed years and years ago yeah. if we had social media. But the fact that we didn't, you'd only really ever see these people face to face and be around them and be in amongst them. And yeah. you, you would always be looked after and you'd always have a laugh and a joke. And they were your mates. And even if they didn't know you, they mm. were your Claret and Blue family. Whereas social media to a degree has killed that because there's always a dickhead, you know, that wants to have a pot or cause trouble. Mm. And you sort of think... Is it society or is it West Ham fans, the wrong type of West Ham yeah. fan with a Twitter account? I don't know. So yeah, no, I agree. Things, mate, but let's hope that moving forward when, yeah. you know, politics is put to bed that we can Definitely. all be how it should be, you know? Definitely. I think it is a societal thing because obviously you watch other fans, other channels, if they're, you know, they're fan TVs, you know, and there's there's obviously, you know, everyone has their opinions, I agree with that, but you, you're right. And I think you're right as well in that you know when you were going in the early 90s before social media came around you were sat there you knew bob behind joe who had a flat cap you know bill over there who drinks above rule 
Mm, mm. You're, you're, you're slagging him off to your dad. He's had, he's had two bottles today. That, that's literally all you'd say, you know. Or he's had a pop at him. I don't think so. But it'd be between the two of you and that's it, you know. So, uh, yeah. no, I agree. I just think it's a proliferation of social media. God, yeah, this, I mean, the, the topics we're covering. I know, I know. I mean, one, muffins. Let's, let's, just, let's, talk about, let's talk about Raz Van Rat instead. Let's talk about your favourite. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? One, one funny story my brother's got, because he's 12 years older than me. So, yeah. yeah. He was lucky enough to experience some of the uh, 86 season. Yeah. And uh, he remembers really, really clearly. He was, um, I can't remember where he was sitting, but, you know, you were all on top of each other in those days. And yeah. uh, he said that he's there. I think he was with his dad or, his, or our uncle uh, and our dad. And uh, he felt this warmth down the back of his car. And it was an unnatural feeling. And he thought, what the fucking hell is that? Anyway, he's eventually found the space to turn around and look. Turns out the geezer behind him, obviously busting for a piss, but where it's so packed he can't be bothered, yeah. he's rolled up a programme, put his knob through it and just pissed in front of him up down my brother's leg. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, <laughs> funny times over there. I mean, you wouldn't get out of the London Stadium these days. But, no, uh, you wouldn't. So, let's, let's move on to your, uh, your 11. So, as I said, we're asking people about the players that meant, and obviously you've got probably got quite a good catalogue of people you want to talk to. Talk about. But the idea being is sort of, the 11 people that let's so say it's your 11. So I said, it could be your favorite, your favorite 11, maybe your technically best 11 favorite and technically best might not be the same. Doesn't really matter. It's up to you who you want to talk about. Might be 11 people you hated, maybe 11 people who didn't come onto the pod, for example, you know, it's, you know, it's up to you really. It, doesn't mean it can be as libelous as you want to be. Um, but we try and keep it to a four, four, two, if we can, it's not a problem for people like you and me, but for older people, when they, you know, I never knew what a left half was until I, <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> I still don't. Or an inside right. Um, uh, but you have to be in line to have seen them play. That's the only caveat. So yeah. obviously, you and me couldn't put in Bobby Moore. We could put in, you know, Roger Johnson, you know, Javier Margas, you know, seems a fair swap, but that's what we'll do. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have my team. I'll tell you that now. Yeah, go on in. Right, let's start. didn't make the cut. Oh, did I just, uh, uh, I was say, it wasn't a spoiler alert. Right, we'll start between <laughs> the sticks, Dave. Who are we going to go with between the sticks? The right, so I've 11. gone for a 4-4-2. I've yep. gone for a 4-4-2. I've ticked the box of only ever picking players that I've seen live. Uh, if I'd have been born 10 years earlier, it might look very different, but exactly. I wasn't. So I've gone with the players I've seen yes, and, uh, and fought a lot of uh, for their time at the club. So, 4-4-2 and in the sticks... Um, Fortunately enough, in recent years, in my lifetime anyway, we've actually been lucky with keepers, I think. We've yeah, seen a lot yeah. of West Ham. You know, I, I love Shaka, I love Rob Green, I love Fabianski, um, I, I love David James as well. But for me, it has to be Luda. Yeah, sure. Um, absolute man-mountain. He was agile, he made excellent saves, uh, and an absolutely lovely fella off the pitch as yeah. well. So Ludo, I think, speaks for himself. Um, like I say, if I'd have been born earlier, possibly Parks would have edged it. But for me, it goes to Ludo. Exactly. And, that, and that's, that's the whole idea of this is that, is that if you said you're, you know, if I said, what's the West Ham Dream 11, everyone would say probably exactly the same bloody players. But mm. that, you know, because you know about the myth of Bobby Moore, you know, you know you've been brought up in a West Ham family, you, you've heard players, you've seen the videos, but as is, you haven't got, you've got nothing, no reference point apart from, you know, yeah. what you've been told. We're here, as you said, you could have, if you was 10 years earlier, you probably, maybe your brother would put, put you know, Parks in instead of Ludo, yeah. for example. But that's the idea. 
Um, and as you know, I, I totally agree. And as you said, you know, he's a lovely guy and you know, you've had him on there. I've heard some lovely stories. And that's what's nice. It's all these little personal stories, you know, yeah. like Scandinavian hammers one. He came back from a player's dinner because he promised them he was going to see them. And that was when they were staying at the new, at the old ground at the hotel, which was always fun. Um, and he stayed there for like two and a half hours, three hours, literally chatting to every individual. And you know how many bloody Scandinavian hammers come over. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, it was a lovely yeah. guy. Right, I put Ludo between the sticks. Let's go, uh, let's go left back. I think I can probably guess who your left back's going to be. Um, yeah. Yeah, Vlad- um, Vladimir Laban. Yeah, no problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually Razvan Rat, but uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, it's, it's, it, yeah, there's only one choice. It picks itself. It's got to be Dixon. What can I say about Julian Dix? My old time West Ham hero and it's it's funny you know because you speak to the, the, the previous generation mm. and they'll always tell you Billy Bonds yeah. and you know obviously I grew up watching Billy Bonds on those famous VHS tapes never yes. saw him lie but you know Billy was a warrior he wore his heart on his sleeve he got stuck in he was a winner he was a competitor he was passionate and and he played for that badge and he loved the football club now Julian Dix was my Billy Bonds yeah. uh, and as he was with every other West Ham fan of my age and you know, Dixie, his Achilles heel was his pace, I think, was his only downfall, but mm. an absolute wand of a left foot. I mean, I don't think he was given credit for the actual ability that he had, Dixie. I mean, his, his range of passing was phenomenal, which not many people speak about. We all know about his penalties. And Jesus Christ, did he score some worldies. I mean, I, one that springs to mind, one of many, was Man City at home. I think we lost the game. Did we lose it? 4-2? At home, and Dixie fucking he, he launched this strike from about oh, thirty yards out, yeah, yeah. The corner. And you just think, you know, if that would have been David Beckham that would have scored that, they'd be showing it on Sky Sports as we speak. But Dixie was just unbelievable. I loved him as a player in terms of his his, his ability, but mentally, I mean, he was he was a man's man. He was a hard man, um, and he was a, he was a passionate man who loves the club to this day. He loves the fans. Um, and just a, a top, top fella. I can't speak highly enough no, of him. When, exactly. I was, when I was a kid, the reason I first got a skinhead was because of him. Uh, my mum spent money on a new West Ham shirt at the time. Well, if you remember Dixie, um, I don't know if he always done this, or certainly at the time used to cut the collar. Uh, I'd I done that to my new new shirt, and mum done her bollocks over that, so that got me in a bit of hot water. I, caught, I had a hamster called Julian. To this day, I've got a cat called Dixie. I can't speak enough of him. You know, no. he's... Um, you know, West Ham through and through. I love him to exactly. death. Exactly. And it said, it's been said before, you know, there's left back, right back, you know, full backs aren't a glamorous position. You know, no. like Carragher always tells about, you know, Gary Neville always does him over by that. Yeah. I can't think of any left back in football in general who had such a galvanizing effect on a, on a team, you no. know, and also in terms of the fans, you know, that, yeah. that's all. If it was a what, if it was a naughty challenge, if it, as you said a thirty yard pinger into the top corner, there's no one I can think of who 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 can do that. You know, it can control a game from left back. As you said, he's yeah. There's not really much you can you can say about Julian that hasn't been said. But yeah, he was mm. um, yeah. Well, and he's the same as me. He was he was Mr. He is Mr. West Ham to me. I was just mm. roughly you know, roughly the same age as you, Dave. I think so. Yeah, for me, he's, he's always been Julian. Right. Okay. Mm. We'll put Dick Dixie on the left. Who's gonna go right back position then, Dave? Yeah, this was a toughie. Yeah. Because I don't think in my lifetime we've been blessed with outstanding right backs, yep. if I'm honest. Yeah, agree. Um, immediately my brain went to Schemmel. 
because I go back to that season he had where he won Hammer of the Year and he was, he was a well-beater in that season. Yeah. And I thought we had one hell of a player on our hands, but it, it didn't work out. And you could probably put him down as a bit of a one-season wonder, despite how good he was. So I looked for a little bit more longevity. Um, so I was kind of torn between two. One was Stevie Potts, because I thought he's Mr. Reliable. The service he gave the club was second to none. Um, great player, great person. And again, Mr. West Ham still at the club to this day. But I'm going to go with Tim Breaker on yeah. this, purely because I could list the same reasons as Potsy. You know, he gave best part of a decade of his life to West Ham. He was defensively sound, solid. But the difference for me between Tim and Potsy was Tim was better going forward. Yes. And I thought Tim liked it at the flanks and he had a great cross on him. So for me, that's why he edges it. So Tim goes, uh, yep. goes into my number two. Agreed. Um, although, didn't you see Potsy's goal? You would have seen it. His first, is it whole city anyway? So you Very saw good. It. Very good. That, that was a collector's item that day because that it was. wasn't the Potts goal. He hit it from about fucking 400 yards. Yeah, he kicked right his leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Well yeah, no. Tim Breaker, yeah. Good shout. Yeah, and, and uh, watching back, obviously, Robert Banks, is he's digitalising. He's putting up all the end the season reviews on, on YouTube. I didn't realise how good Tim Breaker was, to be honest. I, I, I underappreciated. But um, when I did, um, when I interviewed Kenny Brown, he was saying how he was like, Tim was like the complete player. He was like so athletic. Yeah. And I never thought yeah. from him that, like pedestal, but actually watch him again. Yeah, totally agree. Right, Tim, he's in. Do you know what though? I think we're all guilty of that at times. You know, it's, yeah. I think like, a lot of things in life, you appreciate it more when it's gone. And I think, yeah. Tim, from a footballing perspective, was was right. I mean, we'd done a kind of an underrated 11 on the podcast and I think Tim went in at right back and rightfully so. You know, he was the full package in the sense that he wasn't the best right back in the world, but everything he did, he did so well. Mm. And mentally, you know, he was professional. Again, he was a grafter. And uh, now Tim, for me, he's comfortably got that spot in my team. Good chap. Okay, let's go centre-backs. Who are going to have in your centre-backs then, Dave? Well, he's often described as a Rolls-Royce, and I think that's the perfect way of describing him as Joe Ferdinand. What a player. I mean, look at the player he went on to become. And and I don't think any West Ham fan was truly surprised to see that development because he was was something else. I mean, the first time you saw him, I think what stands out to me was his physicality. Mm. You know, he was was a lump, Rio. He was tall. Mm. But for me... What made Rio special? It was so many defensive attributes that, that made him solid. But I don't really think you see many ball-playing defenders these days. You don't okay. see many ball-playing centre-halves. And Rio was probably the best um, ball-playing centre-half of my lifetime across all clubs, yeah. in my opinion. He was absolutely fantastic. And ironically, I think that his debut, I think, and I might have this wrong, I think he came on for the player who went off. And the player who went off, it was his last game for West Ham. And that is who I'm partnering with Rio I like in it. this team. Do okay. you know who that is? I'll, I'll leave you, to, I'll leave you to, to announce it, Dave. But yeah, great well, shout Rio. I'm going to right, first and foremost. <laughs> well, um, you say it, and I'm sure, I'm sure if you got it wrong, some will, some will tell you on Twitter. No. <laughs> well, where's, where's X when you need him? I know. Um, right, so you've got Rio, and next to him is Alvin Martin. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that Alvin Martin played his last game for West Ham and he came off for Rio, who had his first game for West Ham. I'm pretty sure. Um, Rio, I think, speaks for itself. So we'll we'll talk about Alvin now. Now, Alvin was in the twilight years of his career when I saw him at West Ham. I I saw him far from his best. That said, 
the fact that I've kind of triggered being able to tick the box of seeing him live, coupled with the fact that he could still play, Alvin. Uh, he was a hard man, again, a grafter, was a winner. He was someone that had a, an effect on his teammates as well. He was well-liked. And you just got to look at the fact that he was coming to the end of a 20-year period at West Ham. And if you know Alvin's backstory, I know this isn't relevant to best 11, but he was a kid coming from Liverpool. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's daunting for anyone. And I've sat down with Alvin in depth about his story. And, you know, to, to, to listen to how he progressed from just joining a football club to falling in love with a football club like mm. Alvin has done uh, is incredible. So I think the fact that he could still play when I was able to see him, the fact that he'd go 20 years of his life to West Ham means that he gets my nod uh, next to Rio. And to be quite honest with you, I think even if we're doing an all-time um, West Ham 11, he would be there or thereabouts. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, mm. I, and, and I think it, there's, there's a few people who I call adopted Cockneys. Um, yeah. uh, Ginge and, and Alvin are, are the two that stick in my mind. He just gets it. Still lives in, still lives in the area. You know, his grandkids go to my, go to my daughter's school and, you know, and, time for anyone and he just got West Ham he just got the area he got the fans got the club and that's why people still love him and that's why they give him the honour of I mean who who did the whole Billy Bonds tribute thing at the club Alvin Martin he did, yeah, he did exactly. you know, and so that, yeah. that again that shows could have gone with a presenter you know like Chris yeah. or, or Martin but no he went with Alvin and yeah. too rightly so but Alvin's one of the best as well I'll tell you you give Alvin a microphone yeah, I mean good. he's done an event for us before and he's like a stand up comedian Great you know shot, he was yeah. incredible and uh, no, I mean when it came to centre-halves I'm comfortable with those centre-half choices mm. but I did think about Village. I did mm. think about Reaper I did yeah. think about Ginge and to be honest any of these selections could be fairly questioned of yeah of course um, they can but for me, I think, yeah, I think Alvin and Rio. But, you know, I'm talking, I'm ticking the box to get these players in. I know. But I'm ticking the box based on them at their peak. I know, of course. And I think actually they'd complement each other quite well then too as a partnership. Yeah. Alvin and particularly Julian and even Tim. Tim liked to mix it. You know, if it got a bit tasty, you've got people. And then yeah. Rio could actually do, which is what I think he should have done more when he left West Ham was be the ball playing rather than Alex Ferguson, you know, making him a defender. If he carried on doing what he was doing in terms of West Ham before he moved, obviously, you know, because obviously, because Alex Ferguson needs to knock all that creativity out a little bit. He would be in the same folders, Berezi and people like that in terms of that accolade. I don't think, you know, it's almost like they, they, you know, he became a defender rather than a, a ball player, you know, which now, now people, everyone wants. He was almost yeah. like a couple of years ahead of his time, to be honest, I think, you know. Um, yeah. Now people don't want that bruiser. They want the ball player, they, you know, the yeah. Klopp and Gradiola. It starts in the back, you know, but um, he would have been, you know, ahead of his time then. Right, lovely. Okay, let's crack on. Let's go, let's go, uh, let's go left wing, Dave. Here we go, left wing. Uh, well, this one's through gritted teeth. And again, from saying that, I think you're going to know what I'm going to say. Um, I've got to give it to Snakey McSnakerson. I've got to. I've yeah. got to give it to Dimitri. Yeah. Because, you know, to. being a season ticket holder in that final season at the Bolin, I just, in my lifetime, I mean, there's one other player, and I'll get to him in a minute, but I, he just he just defied the laws of the game. You know, yeah. he would just get the ball every time he got the ball the excitement, the shared excitement within the stadium that he would make something happen. And we're not just talking about a great little touch or beating one player. You know, we're talking about 
doing skills that you should you shouldn't have the bottle to do at such a high level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not only doing it, but beating three or four players in the process, and it just it, it never ceased to amaze you. You know, yeah. he, he, your jaw would drop from the most basic of things that he would do to beating three or four players to taking, you know, free kicks that didn't seem physically possible and. He was just an incredible, he an was. incredible player. It, it broke the hearts of every West Ham fan he when he left and the way he left. But for that one season, and I'm contradicting myself because of Shemel. I, I, I know what you mean, though. It's, it's a different thing. And again, it it's, it's, it's the glamour. It's the glamour, you know, right back isn't a glamorous position. So if you had a good season at right back, yeah. great. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, in terms of what he did and the stars aligned and had the right yeah. manager, the right man management, he had the right time. Odin, yeah, and and you know, technically, I think Pyatt was the best player I've technically I've ever seen at West Ham. You know, there's not yeah, many he, Ballon d'Or nominees who play for no. West Ham. <laughs> well, that well, that says it all. He was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I just I think you'd struggle to find. There's one other choice we'll get to in a second uh, in another position where I think he did achieve this. But since him, I don't think I've seen a ground get collectively so excited with one player getting the football. And despite the fact that I hate him, and I'll never forgive him for the way he treated the football club and leaving Slaven with a head of hair like me and you, um, I think I can't overlook him. I can't overlook just how special he was and what a privilege it was to see him play. Good good word. Privilege. Privilege is a good word, definitely. And and I totally agree. You know, he was a very unassuming man. You look at him. Didn't like a football player, quite a little podgy, like, you know, I'm not saying my, um, yeah, he's quite a small guy. But yeah, for what he could do for football, I don't think I've seen anyone that matched him, as you said. But you get that, you do get, in terms of the after, you know, the character, that always seems to happen with those types of players, those mercurial players. And people forget how he joined us was a similar mm. way to how he left us. It's like, well, yeah, you know. know. The same about Arnoldovich, couldn't you? Exactly, you know, totally same, totally same. Players. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, okay, we'll go we'll go other wing. Let's go right wing. Here we go, right wing, Dave. I'm going to put Trevor Sinclair there. Yep, nice. Um, just, I think he was part of a very special era for me at West Ham. Mm. You know, having a season ticket in the mid to late 90s under Harry Redknapp uh, was a real special time. And the football that we were playing, and you would go to West Ham, and we haven't felt like this in a while, let's be honest. You'd go to West Ham expecting to win. Mm. And you'd, you'd be expected to be entertained. And, and the group contained so many good characters. And it, it was just such a great time to be a West Ham fan. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was a great bit of business as well from memory. I think, was it Dowie and Roland that went yeah, the other way for Trev? Yeah, yeah in a which, couple of uh, yeah. which in turn brought the, the transfer fee down for Trev. I mean, Christ almighty, every yeah. penny of that was well spent. Because he was just brilliant. You know, Trev was, was quick. He was skillful. Um, he was versatile. I mean, he could play on the wing, he could play up front, he could play right wing back. Uh, he was he was just a real quality, quality player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, my, I remember Trevor Sinclair very well because my, my granddad, God bless his soul, uh, he, <laughs> he, his eyesight was going. Um, so any black player for West Ham, if he did something good, was Trevor Sinclair. It could have been, <laughs> you know, oh, Best bloody player of the pitch, that is. And, uh, yeah, bless him. But, um, yeah. but, yeah, no, Trevor Sinclair, totally agree. And also, you know, one of those players, very few players in recent times, who were a regular England player when they were playing for West Ham. You know, obviously, Denks, mm. Greeno, but Sinclair in that, that World Cup 2002, you know, he was, he was exceptional. Great. Okay, we'll put Tricky Trevor on the left. Centre, here we go, centre mids. 
Then they... Well, some people, when they do this, understandably, <laughs> probably take this a little bit too seriously and yeah. they start thinking strategically and you think, well, I'll, I'll have a defensive midfielder next to an attack. You know, I'll, I'm not into all that bollocks, yeah. so I'm just going to... I'm going to talk about, you know, two exciting players that yeah. have just got to be in that midfield four for me. If I was to go down a strategic route, and I was very tempted with some of these players, Scotty Parker, yeah. um, unbelievable for West Ham. Unbelievable. Yeah. Broke my heart when he went to Tottenham. I don't care what the circumstances were. Really went down in my estimation because of how much I hate Tottenham. So I was gutted with that. What a player he was. You know, even Declan Rice, you know, yeah. could, could, could get a, a call up in that position. You know, there's, there's, there's so many players, Michael Carrick, Johnny Moncur, but I've gone with two players again that excites me. I mean, this is one hell of an attacking midfield. I've been attack, but um, the first one I'm going to go with is Joe Cole. Yeah. Um, because I think in my lifetime, I've never heard so much buzz and hype mm. around a kid coming through the academy like I did with Joe Cole to yeah. a point where. I, like every other West Ham fan, was frothing at the mouth to see this kid play. And when he did play, he was just a freak, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the things he did, the, the, the tricks and the skills, and again, similar to Dimitri in the sense yeah, that no, he was players he shouldn't be beating. And, and the yeah. way he was doing it was so unorthodox and unpredictable. That at West Ham, we love to be entertained. And, 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 it, and it forms part of the West Ham way to be entertained by exciting yeah. attacking players. And Joe Cole was exactly that. Just an incredible player. Again, obviously went on to have a great career. But one probably irrelevant thing I loved about Joe Cole is even up until he retired, he's, he's one player that, it's going to sound a bit of a strange thing to say, loved the game of football. And when I see players playing football, especially for West Ham, I, I like to see him enjoying the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you enjoy the game, you can also be better at the game. And where Joe was so focused, that was all over his face. And he played with a smile. And you could see, it was almost like reminding you of when we were kids playing football in the street yeah. and the reason we got into football in the first place. And Joe kind of carried that through to the professional game, but just also happened to be one hell of a player with it. So Joe, great memories of him. Um, and I think it would be wrong of me not to put him in there. I agree, I agree. And I agree what you mean. You know, it's like, and, and the way he talks on BT Sport particularly when, when they have live football, so mm. eloquent, so mm. clever. He's, he's mm. you know, I think a lot of people would underestimate. Very similar to, not very similar, but, you know, when Owen Hargreaves retired, he became a really good pundit. You no, know, he doesn't yeah. do it. But it's that sort of saying, you know, he, knows what you're talking about this boy and as you said mm. love of the game and I, I agree when players have got a smile on their face when they're doing you know yeah because they Joe used to that lovely little pirouette didn't they I remember the, the FA Cup we had Bertie Braley on before and he was saying about that he did these bloody pirouettes all the time and yeah I used to love him but anyway Joe's him Who, who's going to Joe's partner in this uh, midfield then Dave I've got to go with Ile Berkovich yeah because I think he was rated at West Ham, but I think if he would have been at a top four to six club, he would have been a hell of a lot more rated than what he was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ile Berkovich, for me, was, and I know this is a massive statement, in my opinion, one of the best players in the final third in terms of his final ball Mm. the club has ever seen. Mm. I, I genuinely believe that. Not the best. I'm not saying he's the best. Definitely one of the best. Yeah. Now, you look at the amount of goals Johnny Artson scored for Yeah, West no, exactly. Ham. Totally. How many of those goals would have come without Isle? Even though he kicked him in the fucking head, you know? No hard feelings. Still went yeah. on to create a great partnership. But I just used to watch Isle 
And do you know, it's funny, you know, there's a lot of wing play these, this day and age, there's a lot of backwards and forwards, there's a lot of trying to penetrate the final third and get through the back four. You don't really see it that often these days. I all used to, used to do this week in, week out. It's up to the striker if he puts it away. But watching Arberkovic, he had quick feet, he was an intelligent player, his vision was incredible. And as long as the striker was intelligent enough to, to make the right runs, I would pick him out. Yeah, and I just, I thought that was so underappreciated. And he, for me, is the best player I've seen in the final third with a final ball. Mm. Um, certainly in my lifetime. So for that reason, I was got to be there. He was one hell of a player. He was great. Shot. And again, yeah, looking through those season reviews, you didn't. Yeah, you know, I think is I didn't appreciate how much he did as a as a player. Do you know what I mean? No. And I know what you mean about sort of like the, you know someone like Tricky Chev, for example. You know, you don't yeah. get that very often. Wingers just staying on the right foot. You know, he's right footed, but on the right wing. Rather than yeah. cut inside, you know, and try and score, and just bomb it down the wing, beat the left back, cross it in. It's so mm. simple. Football could be such a simple game, but we overcomplicate, yeah. as you said, with this ticky tacky, you know, and and yeah, Berkovic and yeah, that midfield would, you know, be first on match of the day. That's for sure. Whether it's five mm. nil or lost five nil, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. But yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. Right, okay. Who's going to go up front then? Then Dave, who we got at the strikers? Right, I'm going to go with um, Tony Cotty. Yeah. Because Tony's not only one of our own, and he came through the youth system. Obviously, I know he had two spells at West Ham. So, you know, I was lucky enough to see him in the second spell. I just think with Tony, it's pure and simple for me. Mm. He was one of the most natural finishers I've ever seen in the game, full stop. You know, he was a fox in the box. And again, you know, you talk about underrated positions or attributes in the game. Yeah, a fox in a box. Oh, God, what I'd give for West Ham to have a fox in a box now. Yeah. You know, all right, you're not, you're not going to get the glamorous 20, 30 yarders or the overhead kicks, or despite the, the fact I said that, Tony scored an amazing one against Forrest a few years <laughs> back. But, um, but, but typically, you're going to be picking up the scraps. But when you're picking up the scraps, you've got to have the intelligence to put yourself in a position mm. to, to get those scraps and then yeah. put the ball away. And ultimately, when you're looking at goal scoring records and the achievement of what goals can get the side, no one gives a shit how they go in. They can go in off your ass. You know, would you rather score five incredible, spectacular goals a season or 25, 30 within the six-yard box? Yeah. I know what I'd rather. I know what the fans would rather. Yeah. And Tony was, was exactly that. Just, again, he worked hard. Um, he, he desperately wanted to win. He loved scoring goals. And he was just so good at it. What a natural finisher. And uh, I loved him, Tony. Yeah. And as you, said, as you said, he was a predator. You know, he, 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 could, he was very intelligent reading the mm-hmm. that situation, you know. And that takes a real skill to, you know, preempt where the ball's going to be. You know, it's like you can stand in the ball with pasture, but it's that sort of yeah. knowing where it's going to be. No, I totally agree. Great shout. Who's going to partner uh, TC up front then? Well, this is my other hero. Uh, and it's it's... Di Canio, it's yeah. got to be. Hello, Di Canio. I mean, this man, it's, it's hard to describe him. It's funny, you know, my, my non-West Ham fan mates, and I, I try not to have too many, um, <laughs> you know, they've asked me in the past about Paolo because they, they hear how good he is. And you've got to remember that a lot of people, a lot of fans back in those days only had match of the day. Yeah. So if you see Paolo, you might see him score, you might see him do something fantastic. But I always say, do you know what? In my opinion, You'd never really truly appreciate just how good Paolo was unless you were watching him week in, week out for 90 mm-hmm. minutes. And uh, that's, that's how I felt. You know, you, you could get a grasp of how good he was. He used to do some incredible things. But 
it, it was the stuff that the cameras didn't pick up on on, on match of day highlight reel, you know. And again, it was another era where I was fortunate enough to be a season ticket holder and just the little things, you know, like a, a ball that was smashed up into the air and you'd think it'd be touch and go for anyone to bring it down. And, and it just suddenly just would just glue to his foot. Yeah. But that wouldn't be enough for him. It glued to his foot and then he'd just flick it, you know, behind his body and create a chance for yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moments like that. And for me, Paolo was, was poetry in motion. Yeah. That's what he was. It was poetry in motion. Good so time. you've got the ability aspect and what, what ultimately made him a club legend was his raw intensity mm. and his mm. desire and passion to win and his no-hold-bars love for West Ham United and the fans. So you've got someone that excites you, you've got someone that delivers on the pitch, and then you've got that emotional attached with someone. It's a full house with Paolo, and that's yeah. why he's a legend. And I couldn't possibly pick this team and not have him in it, because no. he was just, he was a special, special player. Mm. He really was. Exactly. And, and, they, and again, what you, you know, he got the fans. He got it. And for a foreign player to get the fans and get, you yeah. know, probably slightly easier maybe for Italian because obviously the Italian fans are crazy as well and they have real yeah. sort of affiliation. But still, yeah. And, and, you know, he had the song and that song just resembles that whole era for me. There's sort of, you know, obviously Payette's song was that, that, time of yeah, time of year we were that yeah, sort of period of our history but that song was just you know it was perfect and yeah he was and like someone said to me the other day about Paolo uh, again a non-West Ham fan I'll block him soon um, and he <laughs> said um, you know what was this big deal and I said look go and find yeah. Bradford, the Bradford City game right yeah. and just watch it from beginning to end that's all you need to know about Paolo at that time mesmeric you know uh, through his his toys out the pram, you know, scores a great goal, then has a fight about a ball, you know, and that was him. He was just not, and that's what West Ham fans loved. As you said, that's all. Yeah. And you, you could have gone there just to watch Paolo. Yeah, easily. Yeah, he, was, he was just, um, you know, it was like going to the theatre watching Paolo. He was just, yeah. you just don't get players like him. He, yeah, he was no, absolutely incredible. That's loved him, funny. absolutely loved him. And, you know, Dix is my all time favourite player, but, you know, a fag paper in it. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I absolutely both. I thought a lot of these players were talking about. Yeah, no, but... me too, me too. And that's the thing; it's it's great to sort of talk about these players in a bit more context, you know, and and, and your your memories and stuff. Because obviously, we see a bit on YouTube, but there's you know we selectively remember certain things, and that's that's what's great about it. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate no it. And 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 thank you to everyone else who's been watching. Obviously, you know, like, share, subscribe. Obviously. Get yourself on the on the West Hamway podcast and uh, and stuff like that as well. It's brilliant. Uh, and until next time, guys, take care and stay safe. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.